RNZ National, Friday afternoon means time for Critter of the Week. I'm joined by Nicola Tuki, who's the boss of Forest and Bird, to introduce us to another native species. Hi, Nicola. Uh, yeah, how are you? Oh, great, thank you. Kia ora, nice to uh, talk to you. What's been going on this week? I was in Wellington earlier in the week and um, my lovely friends at Kiwi2 Trust asked me to come along and have a yarn to them. I think because they needed someone to speak at the after lunch slot where people tend to get a bit sleepy. Um. <laughs> yeah, people would say a lot about you, Nicola, but you'll never put anyone to sleep. That is true. Uh, actually, as an aside, I just happened to get invited um, to the News Hub uh, Power Brokers debate last night. <laughs> And one of my staff texted me halfway through and said, we know you're there, we can hear your laugh. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, oh, great. So what, so, have, um, what have QE2 have to say for themselves? People, people, well, might, not, people not, might not know what QE2 is and how they work here in New Zealand. Yeah, if you're a farmer, you probably know yeah. who Kiwi2 are. They're a pretty amazing outfit. So um, they are an independent um, trust who support landowners to protect biodiversity on their land. And um, since 1977, they have had over 5,000 covenants registered. Um, And I was trying to remember, um, Dan, the CE, was saying to me, if you added all those covenants together, uh, it would be, like, bigger than our smallest national park Uh uh, in New Zealand. So really important, um, really important mahi Really neat people. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I was sort of talking to them about while I was trying to G them up and keep them awake <laughs> after lunch yeah. um, was that, you know, if you think about the way that policy settings um, are in New Zealand, they're almost designed to drive apart the rural and the urban or, yeah, the, you know, the yeah. farmers and the, and the greenies, if you like. Um, and Kiwi2 Trust have that beautiful kind of um, space in the middle where they get to stitch all that together. They get huh. to work with amazing farmers who want to do great things to protect wildlife in their patch. And and um, and so it was just a, it was kind of an honour and a bit of a pleasure uh, to be invited along. I did start with a joke because I thought, <laughs> oh, it's tell after me, lunch. yeah, how'd it go? How'd it go? Yeah. It's always quite nerve wracking, eh? Uh, lead balloon. So um, <laughs> I, I, I had actually canvassed my team in the Forest and Bird office, and many of them were out. And the, a couple of the people that were left were um, historians. And I said, you know, who's got a joke? And they went, you do know we're historians. <laughs> um, Historically anyway, not joke, very funny. Yeah, so the joke that I chose, uh, and I told the q 2 team this, I said, I asked my team for a joke, so I'm going to start with a joke. It wasn't that good. I said, you know, that, but the, the, the joke is really what, uh, why aren't you guys called KC3? Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, just kind of got a collective growing. Uh. And so then I just then I just went for, I just flew in from Christchurch and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking as a former stand-up comedian, I'm not sure getting up and saying here as a joke is the, um, is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. You I'm want to sort of take them by surprise of it. Just do the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe I, I probably over-egged the sauce there a little bit. Yeah, I laid it on too thick. Anyway, uh, it was just great to talk to them and look at all the work that they're doing. And, you know, they are up and down the country. If you are a farmer who is real keen on protecting your patch and you want a bit of a hand and you want some support or you want some advice, uh, go and talk to your local Kiwi2 rep. They are neat people. And so 
let's stay on the topic of farming because the other people that I've been talking to quite a bit lately are federated farmers. I guess what I saw this um, week on um, social media was federated farmers put up a video of from a, a local farmer uh, in Gisborne where a, um, he's he's rounding up, mustering even, <laughs> rounding up some cows on a hill paddock yeah. and then out of nowhere this this bloody, um, oh excuse me, this flock <laughs> of maybe um, 30 red deer just kind of gets caught up in the muster and oh. thunders across the paddock and disappears off the other side and you know, very compelling footage, and uh, as I understand it, they're asking um, the farming community for more footage and photos of pests, etc. Because when it comes to pests, farmers are obviously worried because you know that's they're eating grass that 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 is designed to feed the animals the farmers are farming. They're not they're not growing it for the pests. Uh, and from a biodiversity perspective, we're really you know really concerned about the damage that they're having on our native so ecosystems. So we that, can line up. The significance of that video is just that you, you wouldn't have expected to see that many deer just kind of running loose and it's an indication that they are, um, that they are everywhere. They are everywhere and in some places they are getting out of control and they cause enormous damage. Same for pigs, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we are kind of looking... Um, you know, kind of, we've, it's, I just found it really interesting seeing it pop up on social media because it's like Forest and Bird spends a lot of time talking about impacts of deer and pigs and that kind of thing. And the native bush, you know, from a biodiversity perspective, but they are equally a pest from a farming perspective as well. Take us to Fjordland, Nicola, to meet the Fjordland skink. <laughs> Let's go there. So uh, this week's critter is our incredibly beautiful um, and endangered Fjordland skink. Um, Oligosoma acronasum, um, which is found in these tiny little scattered islands, like relatively small scattered islands between Dusky and Nancy Sound, way down the bottom um, of Fjordland. Um, and I really like them. They um, they are also known as the littoral skink, and so littoral means um, the littoral. If you've ever if you've ever done marine biology, Jesse, uh, the littoral zone is the kind of t- in the tide line there, in the seashore. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And Spelled differently acronym- from the other littoral that people um, use quite a bit these days. Yes, yeah, sorry, littoral. Yeah. 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 People um, do use L- the other L- version quite generously. Uh, yeah, L I T T O R A L. Yes, please continue. Yes, uh, and its species name refers to its sharp little nose. Um, we have done a number of skinks on Critter. Uh, the calculations, I, I haven't made these calculations, Lily has, let's let's be honest. Um, so in the notes, she has, we've, she said, we've featured 374 critters since the program started. Huh. That's pretty impressive. It is, yeah. Uh, which, which means 4.6% of them have been skinks, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, yeah. And we are, a, we spoken... are a quite a skinky country too, so that sort of makes sense, right? Yeah, we are. I have sort of kind of hypothesised before the perhaps instead of the land of birds, we could be known as the land of lizards because yeah. of the um, the diversity and the number of skinks and geckos that we have, notwithstanding a tuatara, which is, of course, a reptile, not a lizard, and we all know that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so they are really um, sleek, shiny, lovely, dark sort of looking skinks and um, living you know, they're sun baskers, which is what I quite like about them, right? So they um, they hang out together in a big pile. I don't know what the collective noun for skinks is, but um, someone for should come up with them. For a pile of skinks, yeah. A pile of skinks. <laughs> a link of skinks. Um, <laughs> uh, 
uh, and they yeah they all kind of pile in together and bask on a rock in the sunshine, which takes me back to my youth. We were we used to hang out in the um you know the public pool throughout summer that didn't have a cover at the time, and then lie on the hot concrete. Uh, once you remember that when you're a kid and you get out yeah. of the pool and then you just yeah. like dry yourself out by lying on the hot concrete. I, uh-huh. I kind of feel like Suter Skink, uh, um, oh, sorry, um, the uh, Fjord and Skinker cha- channeling that. Uh, Suter's Skinks, sorry, uh, is another kind of skink that likes to hang out near the water. Um, and there are also shore skinks and tatahi skinks. Um, and actually I've seen skinks on little barrier island that love that as well they hang out in the boulders and in, um on the kind of rocky shore yes cool uh, at hotel or toy um so what i also like so i like that they're sunbaskers because we are starting to get into warmer weather and i'm looking forward to doing that um after doing some bombs in the local school pool um <laughs> and they also um they're feisty little guys and girls so um one of our herpetologists has written about them before so in terms of New Zealand's herpetologists um, from the Department of Conservation, Lynn, um, talked about them standing high on their front legs, glancing towards you and seeming to consider you as prey rather than a threatening predator. <laughs> and then you, so Despite being about around. a thousand times smaller than you. Yeah, and all I think of is that scene in um, Jurassic Park with the kids in the kitchen and the velocir- velociraptors come in. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's what we're talking about and they do kind of look like a velociraptor with their lovely kind of um, pointy nose Um, but they obviously haven't been particularly well studied because they're way down in the middle of nowhere um, in terms of you know far away from people Uh, so it wasn't until recently that um, uh, herpetologists got to get out and have a wee look around and see um, how they're doing and what we know um, is that they are now only found in 10% of their former range, which um, is kind of unsurprising because where they are found are on um, predator-free islands, right? So um, where they have managed to survive and thrive is far and away from where the little furry four-legged things are. Um, and they just hang out in the rocks. They eat invertebrates along the seashore that are kind of bouncing around in the seaweed that washes up, little sand hoppers, little kind of flies and snails, anything. They might eat little coastal berries. They also uh, provide a lovely ecosystem service to the world because they happily eat carrion that washes up like dead fish or oh, dead birds. So they're keeping it all, keeping it all tidy. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. that's the appeal of hanging out on the shore. Did you use this um, this term Sexicolus, sexicolus, a fancy word that means living amongst the rocks. Saxophone, sexicolus. No, I haven't used that. Yeah, they're also they're also viviparous, viviparous. They are, they are, and they are also strongly heliothermic. So, um, yeah, viviparous just means they give birth to live young. Yeah. Um, which is unusual. So we only we have one type of egg-laying skink in New Zealand, and that's the um, suitor skink. All of our other skinks and all of our geckos give birth to live young, which is highly unusual for lizards. Yeah. Um, and they have between two and six babies between January and March. Um, so the, the strongly heliothermic just means they love to um, they gain their heat from the sun, and they basically you know if you think about it, Fiordland. Not hugely tropical, it's not sunny, Nelson, is kind it? of well-known 
it's not Nelson. No. Maybe we, maybe they should move to Nelson. <laughs> um, and they kind of pile in together, and they're just they're like solar panels, right? So when that sun peeps out, <laughs> that's it. They are flat out basking, doing their thing. Um, and they also like to pile. They they're quite gregarious. They like to pile into their little hidey holes together as well. Um, if they are disturbed, they can actually dive into rock pools which I find fascinating. Yeah. And we think they could also be hunting for prey in the, underneath oh, the water. Cool. Uh, which kind of think, makes me think of those um, iguanas, those marine iguanas over in the Galapagos. Do they make, so, do they make know, a noise, skinks? Well, geckos bark. Right. Um, but, yeah, skinks can kind of do like a really high-pitched kind of squeak uh, when they're disturbed, which is probably <laughs> fair enough. It's like when someone opens the toilet door or the shower door yeah, and you're yeah. expecting it. <laughs> Nicola, we've reached the time uh, when you're going to have to rate the attractiveness of the Fiordland skink on a scale of 1 to 10. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, before I do that, I reckon they get an extra point for being uh, surviving at the edge of um, the possibilities of survival yeah. in the face of mice. Mice are their biggest predator, and, we ha- and we're really worried about that because we don't quite know how to deal with them. Uh, they are slinky, uh, I would say, given their, their rock living habitats. Saxy, they're a little bit saxy. Very sexy. Um, you see what I did there? I'm explaining my jokes. This is why I'm not a comedian. Uh, I'm going to give them a 6.9. 6.9. I think they'll be happy with that. Uh, sexy indeed. Nicola Tuki, have a great weekend. Thank you for introducing us to this native species. And people can check out a photo on the website, rnz.co.nz slash jessie. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Jesse. And over to Wallace Chapman in the panel.